Hi, welcome to Head Start, the podcast for race directors and the business of putting on races. Over the last decade or so, lots has changed in the social media landscape. Facebook has gone from exciting upstart to the mature granddaddy of social media. Instagram has grown by leaps and bounds to become the platform of choice for visually engaging content. And TikTok has emerged as the new contender in the battle for social media supremacy, favored mostly by younger audiences looking for the next cool and exciting network to join. So how should your organic social media presence adapt to this ever-changing landscape? Should you still be spending time on Facebook? Should you be switching to an Instagram-first mentality? And what kinds of content should you post? How often? And with what purpose? Well, this and many, many other questions is what we'll be discussing today with the help of my guests, digital marketing pros, Leah Pindro of Pittsburgh Marathon Organizers, P3R, and Alex Ross of the Denver Colfax Marathon. With tons of practical experience between them, Leah and Alex are here to take us from high-level social media strategy all the way down to your everyday content writing tactics, including tips on managing your content schedule, mixing up value posts with marketing content, leveraging user-generated content, as well as some off-the-beaten-track stuff you may not even be thinking about, like using LinkedIn to tap into your local corporate wellness market. But if your social media game has been feeling a bit meh lately, this is just a chat to get your creative juices flowing again. Now, before we get into all that, though, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to our amazing podcast sponsor, Run Sign Up, race director's favorite all-in-one technology solution for endurance and fundraising events. More than 28,000 in-person, virtual, and hybrid events use Run Signups free and integrated solution to save time, grow their events, and raise more. And we'll be hearing a bit more from this great company a little later in the podcast. But now, let's dive into our discussion on mastering social media with Alex Ross and Leah Pindro. Leah. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Hi. Thank you very much for uh, coming on both. Two great uh, races being represented here on the podcast. I'll let you guys talk about that in a sec. How's 2023 going for you guys so far? Really good. Alex and I were just talking. I, we feel like things are starting to finally go back to pre-COVID. People are less afraid to register due to cancellation. So it's been a great uh, 2023 so far and hoping to continue that on. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like people want to reconnect with people. And, uh, you know, just the races in the last six months, I've seen people, uh, I think people have gone COVID what? And they're kind of just getting back out there and just wanting to have fun, I think, and just, you know, and live life. And so I think that's exciting. Well, it's great. I was just reading the latest race trends report from uh, Run Sign Up for 2022. And apparently 2022, only 10% down from 2019. So it sounds like we're almost there. You know, fingers crossed 2023 is like we break new records and, and soar into new heights from 2019. So I think we're going to need some uh, introductions from you guys. Tell us a little bit about uh, what you currently uh, do in the industry, the races you guys are involved with. Also a little bit about your background so far. Maybe, um, Alex, you go first. Yeah, absolutely. So based in Denver and so, you know, really spending a lot of time with the Denver Colfax Marathon. Uh, which, you know, we have 20,000 runners. We're getting back to that level. It looks like we're on track to hit that uh, that number that we had in 2019. So a lot of marketing. So my involvement with that is the social media side, the e-marketing, and also we have a grassroots ambassador team 
that we recruit every year that helps us create content and promote online. And then this last fall, we launched the first ever 5K on the runway in Denver, where we shut down a runway in the airport and um, people got to come out and run on the uh, landing strip and have flight attendants and pilots in their full uniforms waiting for them at the finish line to high five, which was really cool. So yeah, so I've been with the uh, in the event industry probably about last eight to nine years doing the marketing side and really making sure to get the message out about you know the race and the event and why people should come do it. It's interesting you mentioned this race with uh, that involves Denver Airport. A friend of mine in the UK, he does uh, run Gatwick, another big airport in London, and they do a course around that. He was very excited like a couple of years ago because they actually get to run on the on the actual runway. How are people liking that? People, you know, it was crazy. It um, sold out in 13 hours. Wow. And we had never had, you know, that was, again, an, 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 and again, we had some restrictions, obviously, right, with FAA, with TSA, and the airport, this like it, the logistic organization of it is was you know pretty intense and crazy, and so I'm fortunate to like that's not my circus, that's somebody else's. I'll just tell everybody about it, like, and we're good. Uh, but people loved it, and we had really not good weather that morning. Like it was windy and rainy, and nobody cared. Uh, they got to run, then they got to go into the hangar where it was nice and warm. And United Airlines set up a 737 plane in there. So you talk about photo opportunities and, you know, we had hot burritos and uh, it's always right. It's the experience part. It's you ran on a runway that's pavement. Like, who cares? Like, but it's the environment. And how do you convey that environment to be like, you get to shut down a, a runway at the third, I believe the is the third largest airport in the world. And then you get to hang out with like, you know, the pilots and the airplane and a couple thousand new friends. And we had a DJ in the hangar. And like, so, you know, people were, it, it was such, such a really intimate, cool, almost about like, you know, like one of those social club, almost kind of like exclusive events because it was sold out and there was only a couple thousand people allowed to do it. So I think people really enjoyed that it was a unique location and that it's not something you can just go do anywhere. And that was the big part of it. And the medal, was that like a... Oh, the medal was awesome. What, like a 737? Yeah, like flying through like this, you know, mountain kind of background. It was like, I, I call it a half marathon quality level. I mean, it was it was a good chunky medal. What was the distance? Just a 5K. Uh, we only could shut it down for an hour. So, yeah. <laughs> so you know, again, we had r- runners and walkers. And we had, you know, kind of if you're at this pace at this point, we're going to kind of, you're going to get a shortcut because we have to get you off the runway. Um, you know, in the last 15 minutes, there are other planes were taking off over the runway. So it made for great photos and video for the next time we do it. It was always challenging. How do we promote something? We don't have photos. We have, we don't really know what's going to happen. You know, it's how do you promote something that's never happened before when you have no content? Like, how do you, we have no pictures and no video. So what, what do we do. Um, so that was kind of our biggest challenge. So I'm very happy it sold out so quickly because I don't think I could have filled a week of social media content. <laughs> it just would have been words. I would have been like, eh, yeah, it's, a, it's an airport. You've been to an airport, right? Yeah, you're going to run where the plane goes. Like, I don't know what else to tell you. Like, So, uh-huh. you know, we worked with the airport and we got some really cool sunrise photos of planes taking off. And But, um, but yeah, it was like, we have no, fo- and we kind of like used that transparency and we said, Sorry, we don't have real photos. 
because we've never done this and you've never done this. So everybody, let's come make some really cool content together. Like it was kind of a fun event and experience. But no runners were uh, blown away or anything during the process. Nobody as, was as blown planes away. were landing and taking off. Nope, nope. They were, we were going in a different direction. So it was like kind of uh, perpendicular. So it was like crisscross okay. uh, to it. So no updraft like in the movies that you see. Awesome. <laughs> Leia, over to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Leah Pindrow. Um, I am currently the brand and marketing strategy manager at P3R, which um, one of our biggest events is the Dick Sporting Goods Pittsburgh Marathon. Um, we have about 40,000 throughout the entire weekend at the event. Um, and then we also host um, a number of events throughout the fall, um, summer and fall, um, starting in July all the way up until November. I was brought in last year as the social media manager, but now I'm kind of transitioning within my role and doing a little bit more overall marketing. Um, like Alex, though, I also run our ambassador program, which is definitely a fun take and something I think that goes really well with social media, obviously, because they're building content for us, helps us get some uh, new faces and new stories on our on our feeds. Um, yeah, so I've been there for a year. Prior to this, I worked in um, the accounting industry, but I am a runner myself. So I always loved P3R as an organization. And when there was a chance to come over um, on the marketing side, I, I jumped at it and I've, I'm thrilled to be here. That's awesome. And both of your, I guess, flagship races, the uh, the Denver Colfax Marathon and Pittsburgh, they're both set for May, right? I guess now you'd be sort of in the thick of it in terms of marketing and stuff and getting people registered, right? Definitely the thick of it currently. Um, we both said January was really busy, but also really great. You know, people are ready to get moving. Um, and we're looking forward to the next couple of months to see uh, how many people will be coming out and celebrating with us. Yeah, it definitely seems like people are planning further ahead than in the past two years. So it's pretty exciting to see because there's always that worry, right? If people are registering now, are they the ones that were going to register in two months? Did we just get them all sooner? Where are these other people and how do we find them? And I'm sure like, it's like, it's always thinking about like, well, how do I find new people? I already have the list of people who know the race. How do I find the new people to keep adding to that list and giving that people who did already run a reason to come back? And yeah, it's, uh, we're in the thick of it, obviously. It's because, and I'm sure like, you know, again, like operationally, I, I hear it and I don't want to have to handle it, but we have to order medals and shirts soon. Like, how do you make that prediction and guess based on what we're doing in marketing? How many people are going to register in the next two to three months? And yeah. That's a whole algorithm that somebody has. Yeah, we don't have to worry about. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Isn't it the case, though, for, for both the Pittsburgh Marathon, I would guess, and uh, Denver Colfax, that the races are sort of set to, to sell out, right, in a way? Or, or do they not sell out? Our marathon and half marathon, I mean, they could sell out, um, but we have a larger gap. We have a, a big area that we can put people in. Um, and we also expanded into a walking division now. Um, so we have our streets open longer. So that helps with, you know, how many people we can put on the streets for how long. So um, there's always the possibility that it could sell out, but uh, we're, we're not there quite yet. And, you know, we're bringing as many people in as possible. 
Yeah, I think that's every racer's dream, right? Is to to have that sellout. Um, same same challenge we have. It's the street closure part, right? It's a major city, and you have rolling street closures. Our the one race that we do and have sold out is the half marathon because a mile segment goes through Denver Zoo, and so we have we have some restrictions from a course width perspective, I would say, through there, and also they have to open the zoo to the public at a certain time. So. Uh, the, you know, half marathon potentially could sell out and it has in the past, but, um, yeah, marathon wise, you know, the streets of Denver are pretty wide, just like in Pittsburgh. It's, <laughs> there's, we can fit people through. It's, you know, the kind of that starting part. And then once you get them, I mean, we start in city park right next to the zoo. Um, so once they're out of the park, it, yeah, we have, you know, four or five wide lane roads. And interesting trivia, actually, we were discussing with Alex, just, we went live Colfax if you didn't realize, I didn't, uh, up until a couple of days ago, in Denver, Colfax Marathon takes its name from the street, which you said is the longest street in the country? Longest continuous commercial street in America. Wow. 26.2 miles, you said. It's actually just over 50 miles. I looked it up. So the the actual street is 50. So, you know, in the early days, first couple of years, it was point to point along uh, Colfax, but then that became again operationally not really as exciting because if you have 20,000 people start here and finish there they got to get somehow back to the yeah. beginning <laughs> and also you know again looping you know we are now able to run through the stadium and by Casa Bonita and all these other fun places in the city and get a real tour rather than doing that you know point to point piece okay so guys we are um, gathered here today as i say to talk about Social media, right? A very big chapter in uh, any kind of marketing these days, event marketing, more generally, race marketing, more specifically, something that people have to do and do. They try to DIY uh, their way through it. Most races do it. They have a, they have like a Facebook account, an Instagram account. We've done a couple of episodes with um, Andy Riley uh, in the past, specifically on Facebook ads. Uh, but today I wanted to focus more on the organic bit, you know, the bit that I think years ago used to be very exciting, very promising, very lucrative for marketers more generally, I guess, in terms of reach, and seems to be, I don't know, becoming more of a struggle for people, making a presence for themselves and, and getting results and getting the kinds of results they want out of it. So both of you, very instrumental in your uh, respective organizations in uh, managing social media. It'd be interesting to hear some of your insights on what's working, what's not working. We're going to go into some specific stuff around content, uh, you know, like really tactical stuff, which which I love because it gives people really concrete ideas. Before we get into all that, just addressing, I guess, the feeling I'm having and some people are having about organic social media reach more generally. Is it dead? Is it slowly dying is it worth people investing still in in their social media accounts i don't think it's dead i think i think it goes back to the content piece right i think um you hear about it, things going viral still things are still going viral and viral is organic it's something that's really catchy quality content that are you know catching on and like i mean again last year we did an april fool's post right and it was uh we we uh, we enhanced your race experience, and we showed a picture of a porta potty with two toilets inside. 
it reached over 200,000 people. And we fully organic and again, viral and people again, it was because people are commenting on it and they're sharing it. And that's what helps that organic growth piece. And we saw an increase in our followers as a result, but it's, it's something that's authentic and about being part of the community. And I think that's what people want. As soon as somebody feels like you're selling to them, they've scrolled on. But when it's something fun, it's interesting. I mean, I don't know why we don't have a new runner dance trend yet. You know, like what's a, you know, dance trend at the marathon finish you line. start it, Alex. <laughs> I think so. I think, Leah, I think we're coming up with this in my head now. But, you know, what's the, you know, what's the marathon run dance routine that we should be uh, coming up with for our race? Um, but I think it has to be that. It has to be the thing that people talk about. And again, it's the Super Bowl ads mentality. It's the next day, what is the ad that everybody talked about? Because it was funny, it was creative, um, or it had animals and babies. That seems to be the, <laughs> the recipe, right, <laughs> for uh, for an effective ad. and. And I think as long as you produce that kind of content, you can still have that organic reach. Yeah, I agree with Alex. There's definitely, I don't think it's dead. It's definitely harder. I think the algorithm definitely makes it more difficult. So you have to be on top of trends or trying to get creative, not just, you know, your standard, hey, come, come move with us, come run with us. Um, you, you definitely have to think outside the box. And when you do that, the audience is also more engaged because they want to hear what you have to say. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's dead, but it's definitely hard. It's noisier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's noisier out there. Right. I mean, when you have a new dance trend on one channel and you have a new, there's just so much content out there. How do you stand out amongst the content? It's hard. So I think there's an interesting point in that already in that, you know, when people think of social media, they think, trickle, trickle, good content, steady content. And it sounds to me with the kinds of posts that you already alluded to, that maybe you're saying that the objective is sort of like to swing for the fences. Are you, are you, are you sort of like trying to hit that ultra viral, amazing kind of post? Is that sort of like the objective here? I think I'd love that if that would happen every time, but I don't know that it ever will, or I'll ever be lucky enough that something will go viral. But I think just creating content that is engaging and fun for our participants and people like our participants and that same demographic who are entertained or engaged by what we're putting out is most important because we're reaching the people we want to and new people that may be interested in our content and our races. Um, so it's definitely just trying to hit that niche and entertaining them more than necessarily going viral, you know, and being on the Today Show tomorrow or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be tricky. I think if you tried to hit it out of the park every time, man, you're raising that bar awfully high. And and again, you're raising the bar high then for your audience because now your audience is expecting it from you. And that just yeah, that just gets harder and harder to hit. But I think, and I think I've seen it too, you guys, Leah, it's you just want to be part of the community. And I think I always say, to our, our staff, I said, my goal is to make sure everybody knows about the race and why they should run it. Whether they decide to register, don't have full control over that, but they should definitely know that this race is happening and all the fun aspects of it. And that's, that's how I create the content from that kind of mentality, not how many people can I get to register today kind of goal. Because if that's your only goal, 
there's so much out of your control from that that you're going to set yourself up for disappointment. But is that at least part of the goal? I was about to get into sort of like the salesy bit. Like, oh yeah. And do you, and do you actually sort of like track? Do, do do you actually sort of like track the return, like the actual registrations, etc. That come out of this, or is it more like, uh, you know, yeah, we're marketing, we're building a community, and of course, some registrations will result from this, but we don't know exactly how many. Is it is it is it fair to be able to to expect actually of just an organic social media effort? to be able to actually track the return of everything you do? I think it's just a piece of a puzzle. So yeah, we can track it. Um, There's ways you can create special links for your social media channels to see who's coming from those. And, you know, we're not going to get 90% of our registrants from social. But if we can get, you know, 5%, and if even better, if they're new, as long as you're putting out content and you're trying to get sales technically, yeah, you should track that and you're able to track that. We do it through race roster. We have tracking links. Um, Alex, I don't know how you do it. Um, but yep, there's we use race roster as well. Yeah. So there's um there's definitely ways to track and look back at what worked and maybe what didn't. And if something didn't work, then you move on and you try something else. Yeah, we do that too. We use race roster. We also use, I mean, just Google Analytics for the website, right? To see how many uh where they're coming from which channels are coming from, which are more effective. You know, surprisingly in January, Twitter was a big for us. Um, and I think everybody was coming by to see the, the dumpster fire that was being created in Twitter. Um, so they actually saw an increase in their active users. And so we were like, okay, well, let's push some more content there. And we actually saw a bigger drive to our website, which again, um, the organic aspect of it, if you have Google remarketing in, you know, installed and then that, then next thing you know, our race is following you everywhere you go on the internet. So it's, it's, you know, I think, again, that website is your hub and you want to push people there so that you can have additional tracking and get some more information. But yeah, I think we know historically how much registrations we get on a daily basis. And so we're kind of looking back right now, we're using 2019, everything between. It's just kind of a wash at this point. It's not normal. So, you know, we're kind of basing everything we do on 2019. And we have daily tracking from that year. So we kind of know our pace that we're on to hit some of those milestones. So I'm curious about your, I mean, just because it stuck with me, your your April Fool's post that you mentioned there. (laughs) What was the end point of that? Like, was that a segue to getting people back to your site? Like, how did that work in, in that regard? So, you know, it's interesting. So uh, we did not include a link to our site in that April Fool's Day post. At least I don't recall we did. Because again, I want to remove the aspect of some of our posts being pure selling. Because if there's a link, I must be selling something, right? And so to make it just pure of a of fun branding recognition so people recognize the race. Because somebody looked at it and said, oh, that's funny. Who posted it? Oh, that's interesting. And again, it's that multiple hits in front of somebody to remember who you are and even to recognize who you are so that the next one that does come with that more salesy approach, they might be more likely to click on it because they feel like there's already some sort of recognition and relationship there. Um, So it was really just more about kind of brand reach at that point in recognition and not pure sales. But I mean, again, we have kind of that data. It drove traffic for three days after and people were still commenting on it and liking it. And so that makes 
that's the thing. It goes back to what Leah said, right? It's the engaging part. It's something that was engaging and you're part of the conversation now. And and in terms of things like which used to be of some value in the past, like, you know, gaining Facebook followers for your page, you know, like forget about what's happening on your website, you know, like likes, all of that stuff. Does that have the kind of currency that it used to? Does it have the kind of value? Like, do you guys look at a post and think, you know, oh, I gained 10 followers from that. That's amazing. Or is that sort of not particularly high in your list of objectives now? I think my biggest objective, and Alex, maybe yours is different, is the engagement piece of each post rather than what did we gain from them? Um, Are they commenting on it? Are they liking it? Are they sharing it with their friends? That's mostly what I'm focused on because like Alex said, that expands our brand reach and the recognition of our races and our organization with people who maybe are already participating in our races, as well as people who are potential participants. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I actually probably maybe on a monthly basis, I would look at how many followers we have, as long as we're not dropping, I guess would be, (laughs) that would be like, okay, that's a red flag. We should probably look, what did we do? You know, why on earth are people, you know, declining? And obviously the week or two before a race, we see it going up because we post a lot of news, logistics and information. We have, you know, the the local NBC Denver, they'll do a weather forecast for us. So we're putting out information. So we should always see an uptick then. But um, yeah, it's we've never really had that conversation of like, oh, you know, did we gain more followers this month? I'm like, Again, it only takes one post for somebody to share with their friend who shares with another friend. It's it's not how many people are following you, but it's more the quality and who is following you is what I've always heard, right? It's not, I mean, Oprah might not be following you, but if all of a sudden she shares your posts, (laughs) (laughs) you're going to get some more eyeballs on your stuff, you know? So it's really about not how many, but more who I would say is following. So let's talk a little bit about platforms. There used to be a whole zoo of these. Uh, I think now they've sort of, they've narrowed down to a handful. I see a couple of them work quite well for races. What media platforms, social media platforms are you guys uh, investing in predominantly? Sort of like rank them for me, like your top five or your only five. It's interesting, Alex, you said uh, Twitter did well for you last month. We, I feel like Twitter's on the bottom portion of what we've been using. Um, Instagram and Facebook seem to be the top. We're trying to do TikTok, but like Alex said, it is really hard to get your foot in the door in TikTok because TikTok, the way people go viral or the way you're shown on the algorithm is if you're posting about seven times a day. And that's not really easy for a small team that's coordinating a race. TikTok is definitely on the back burner, but something that we want to do um, and are, are hopeful to do. Um, but I'd say uh, Instagram followed by Facebook is probably our our top two. Yeah, it's interesting saying Facebook, Instagram top for us. I mean, it helps their own by the same company. Um, so that really helps kind of from a synergy standpoint and a management standpoint. Twitter is hard like TikTok because same kind of thing, right? It's a more of a real-time communication platform is what it was kind of born out of. So if you're not posting there, four to six times a day and sharing not salesy things, I think really, especially on Twitter, it has to be kind of that more useful content, which we tried to, same thing with TikTok, right? It's, and again, we have an ambassador team and everybody loves consuming TikTok and everybody think, oh, this is fantastic. Okay, spend a week 
trying to post once a day. Just try that for one week. And you tell me how easy it is. It is hard to come up with content. And even if you're trying to share sponsor content, um, reshare other content, it's still incredibly hard to get traction there unless you have somebody with a bigger, bigger following that is amplifying your voice. So it's really Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then we have been doing more LinkedIn this past this past season as well. That's interesting. I want to get back to LinkedIn, and obviously we're going to be spending tons of time. I mean, you know, when you when you say social media and races, you're implying Facebook and Instagram. So we're going to spend a lot of time there. But I want to just touch on TikTok a little bit because I did this great podcast with this guy who runs his own TikTok marketing agency, Oli Hills. Used to be in our industry as well, sort of in a more direct kind of way. I think he would be a lot more encouraging to you guys. Maybe I'll uh, I'll give you his number uh, because he he seems to think there's great opportunity uh, in TikTok for authentic brands. Not so much about necessarily, I guess, frequency, but just you know, he seems to think that it's it's about producing TikToks. You know, like like you need to be in that frame of mind of producing that specific kind of video that works well on TikTok. But I want to touch on TikTok a little bit. Do you guys consider it like a social medium in the same way that Facebook and Instagram is? Because he was mentioning that it's more in the category of something like a YouTube. It's more like a broadcasting thing where you just put videos out. When you were talking earlier about community and, you know, like fostering and all of that, TikTok doesn't seem to be particularly well placed for that. It definitely has value, but I'm wondering if you guys see that kind of distinction between the other more traditional social media and TikTok and YouTube and places like that. I think I see I see it definitely. I see that it could probably do amazing things for us. It's the time behind it and trying to balance where should we spend our time and producing what content whereas TikTok I could put out, you know, like Alex said, uh, one video a day per week, but coming up with that idea, because it has to be something different than Facebook and Instagram, where those two kind of live together and you can kind of pretty much use the same content for both most of the time. TikTok is just like a whole different ballgame. And you have to have, I think, someone really invested in that, someone that's okay with being on camera, obviously, someone that's providing tips or trying to be the voice between the community and your organization. And I think that's where we struggle. It's like, who is the expert that should be put on TikTok and who should be the one talking about it? That's where my struggle is with it, at least. No, I agree with, it's an interesting point about the voice part, but you're right. I think TikTok is a consumption platform. It's where people go and watch hours just disappear from their life watching videos. I don't I don't know that it's as engaging or has the tools to be as engaging as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter that has that ability to have a conversation with people. Like you said, it is a little bit more YouTube where you're consuming information. Now, that can still be beneficial to what Leah said, right? Is you have somebody that can go buy tips for running in the wintertime because we just had a giant blizzard blow through the country. So that it's relevant content. You probably have those tips. But who's going to be the one on the video doing it? And yes, you can do the no face videos, right? You can just show Blizzard coming down and just flash five tips on the screen. That stuff still takes, I don't know, let's say 20 minutes to put that together. If you have the five tips, you want to throw up a picture, you want to throw music, 
then you want to put in the text. It still takes 20, 30 minutes to produce, then to post it, then to track it, then to try to amplify and get your ambassador team to fuck. And that's one. That's just one piece of content for one day. And they're saying post on on TikTok three to five times a day. Like that is a full-time job. It can become. Now you can also repurpose the content and try to, you know, save it and use it as a reel, um, which this kind of hit and miss, you know, I think on that being successful. Because like Leah said, you kind of want to tailor your content a little bit differently on Facebook, Instagram. So I think TikTok is fantastic, maybe for more information gathering. You know, back in the day, how do I fix, you know, my car? You'd go and YouTube it. I think people are starting to actually get some of that info from TikTok now because there are shorter clips, a little bit more fun feel to it than a 30-minute kind of person is giving you an instruction video and somehow they're cramming that down to 30 seconds now. So I think it's kind of the shorter consuming of information rather than the engaging communi- you know, back and forth and communication part. That was a really long answer to the world of TikTok, but no, I, I think you know <laughs> it made sense though. <laughs> the reason why I'm spending time on this uh, with you guys and others, and uh, also we did a, a full episode on that, is that it feels like I mean it's a new medium. Uh, Oli, my guest on that on that podcast, was saying that you know, like if you really hit it big on TikTok, I mean it can't be crazy, right? I mean you can have like millions of views overnight, kind of thing. I'm not sure how much of that would stick longer term, so I don't know you know, how valuable of a medium it is other than, you know, in a flash, you get a million views and everything. But I do get lots of people asking me about TikTok, being very, very curious about going on TikTok. And part of this goes back to what we were discussing earlier, which is the return that people get from other platforms nowadays with Facebook and Instagram pushing so hard people into paid stuff. TikTok seems attractive in terms of it, how far you can go organically, which is, I guess, where lots of race directors get a little bit curious with it. I would, I'll say technology-wise, the TikTok platform by far has the best algorithm. I think as a, a brand, you have to, they very much look at what you're posting and you have to be very specific about what you're posting. Like, again, if we're posting about our races, every post should be about running somehow hashtag about running about running if you start throwing in their nutrition if you start throwing in their gear it starts throwing off uh, the tiktok algorithm it has to be tiktok has to know exactly who you are and what content you're putting out and trying to reach so you have to very much be very singular focused on the topic that you're posting about which is why you see multiple channels by you know influencers because they want to be very specific. Like if I'm going to promote purses, I'm going to have one channel only about purses. Then I'll have a separate one about dresses, right? TikTok needs to know who you are hundred percent. And so if you're going to post about something, you need to consistently post about that topic and that topic only to really leverage the technology aspect of it. You also mentioned LinkedIn earlier. It's interesting to hear that you guys are active on that. What kinds of stuff do you do on LinkedIn? Yeah, I don't know about you, Leah, but I think we've really tapped into kind of that whole, uh, we've really done a lot of messaging around, hey, your office is virtual, now get together in person. Um, so we've, you know, we've taken that kind of messaging approach. You know, we have a big relay division. It's, I think it's one of the, you know, three biggest relay races in the country. What's been challenging to get that back, it's people aren't gathering around in the cafeteria, the water cooler, you know, and saying, hey, Let's put together a relay team. Hey, let's do this. So it's 
shifting that message of you guys don't ever really get together. Use our race as your summer reunion, your spring reunion, you know, whatever to get together. And then we've also been really focused on the health and wellness aspect of, you know, the mental health has obviously been a huge topic in the country. And, you know, there's a lot of articles, research, how running is really helps people with their mental health. Um, and so really trying to reach those HR teams and those leaders to say, you know, you don't have to pay for real estate anymore. So why not give your employees the benefit of health and wellness and pay for a race entry for your team or put together a relay team and raise money for a charity and, you know, put some good on the world. So really kind of LinkedIn is that professional place to reach those companies and have that conversation has really been our kind of focus. Yeah. So we're the exact same, Alex. I mean, you, you pretty much could have just <laughs> changed the organization names, um, but we're doing the exact same thing for the exact same reasons. Um, we have a corporate challenge program, getting companies and organizations to, you know, get their team members to run our races. And like you said, um, the relay is a huge aspect of that. Uh, you know, you can run six miles and still be a part of the marathon weekend and, and the buzz around town. Um, and you do it with your coworkers, which was a huge, huge thing back even in 2019 was probably our biggest year for that. I think 2018, 2019 were. Um, so yeah, just trying to get back to that and saying, you know, trying to hit that audience again, like, let's come back together. Let's do this together as a team. Um, we also do the run for a reason program, which, um, is our charity initiative. So people who are participating, but want to run, uh, to raise money for, specific organizations. So we do a lot of posts and updates about that. And then mental health is also a huge, huge push we're doing right now as well. Um, we do a segment called Mental Health Mondays. And um, we're working with a ultra marathoner named Greg Nance. And he has his own organization called um, the Run Far Foundation, which is basically promoting youth mental health. He actually ran from New York to uh, Washington last year in honor of this. So we have him this year giving us a weekly update on mental health or mental health tips to keep your mental strength. Um, because that's such a big part of training. That's not a lot, not always talked about, you know, um, you have to make sure you're mentally fit as you are physically fit and you're training both. And we're just really seeing the importance of that and pushing that, you know, to HR folks that are on LinkedIn or organizations in general that are on LinkedIn, like there's a variety of reasons to get running and getting moving. Um, it helps you physically and mentally. And it's also a great team building activity. Yeah, same with you, right? At the end of the festival, at the end, you have like a festival, right? People stick around and yeah. 30 to 50,000 people, it's open to the public, everybody can come in and hang out, and there's music and food. And and again, it's, we, you know, we're in a, a park, so it's pretty well spread out. But still, it's you know, it's usually a pretty nice sunny day and everybody can come hang out and just be outside together. And I think we're all missing that getting off of the screen and getting into real life and in, in with people. And I think that's a huge aspect of it. And I know HR company, HR teams are struggling with, you know, seeing rapid turnover and they're hearing about layoffs, like all this like negativity that's happening out in the corporate world. How do you bring something into it that's one of benefit not just physically, like you're saying, Leah, it's, you know, we always say mental is 90% ment is 90% mental and the other 10% is in your head. 
right? So, I mean, it's it really is a mental aspect to keep going. And I think in this day and age, we all need much more positive reasons to keep moving. Yeah, I think this LinkedIn thing, it's it's first time I hear it from you guys. It sounds really interesting, but LinkedIn, I guess it's not a platform with popular appeal in the same way that Facebook and Instagram is, right? I mean, it's professionally specific people. For what you guys are saying, and I totally get the message, wellness, mental health, you know, local businesses, Relay, a fantastic platform to get people to team build on it, like that all that makes perfect sense. I would have thought that probably for something like this targeted on LinkedIn, you may want to run a paid ad to reach, let's say, you know, HR professionals in my area or something. But you're saying you're putting out content organically. Isn't that a little bit sort of like, in terms of trying to hit the right people, a little bit of like a needle in a haystack type thing? How's that working out from results? I think it's a mix just like we do on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, you got to do a little bit of both, a little organic or a little bit paid. So we might do a campaign for our corporate challenge, focusing on you know reaching out to these organizations in town. But we also want to make sure there's information on our platforms. And those individuals are on LinkedIn. So we want to be sure that like we're in the the mix of things, you know, if they're scrolling their homepage, oh, P3R is talking about the corporate challenge at uh, this year's Pittsburgh Marathon. I just got an ad for that. Like, let me let me look at that and see how I can get involved or get my organization involved. Yeah, I think it's it's again, if you're not there, you don't exist. A little bit of that, right? It's um, I think it also provides a little bit more legitimacy and long-standing if if you're on all of these platforms and i think linkedin brings a whole different level and aspect and it's you know i think most races know you know create your runner profiles right it's what are your runner demographics what do they run for why are they running and you know and we had the corporate challenge as well the corporate relay and so we have all these companies and hr teams that will buy a bulk of of registrations and then they will hand them out we have a big schools division so we have schools calling out other schools, like in a challenge, right? It's, you know, and, and again, this goes back to that content piece. You don't have to always create it in that school situation, right? Have a principal at one school, call out a principal at another school, right? It's the bucket, ice bucket challenge, right? It's I'm calling out these people, then they get ice water dumped on them. And even if three out of the five people they called out do it, then they call out another five. So you have this ability to to just kind of keep that conversation going, but just you're tailoring your message to a different audience on LinkedIn than you would be. Like I didn't put the porta potty April Fool's joke on on LinkedIn, right? <laughs> that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's not LinkedIn. So you have to kind of tailor your message and your content to the platform, knowing where your audience is. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned this tailoring of content, which obviously makes sense. Uh, and uh, there's no better illustration of the porta potty and LinkedIn, I guess, for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, which, which brings us to another point. Social media platforms have been around for quite a while, I guess, by now. I mean, uh, more than a decade for some of them. And they've had their ups and downs. And you guys, even for big races and big organizations like yours, which for the industry are pretty, pretty big in size, you must be strained for resources. Has it, have you reached a point where maybe one of those platforms that you have, that you have a following on that, that, but maybe is not working out as well as it used to, that you thought, you know, have you actually, 
gone mentally to a place where you're thinking, uh, you know, maybe we stop doing Twitter or maybe we stop doing something? Has it ever occurred to you or have you stuck with every single sort of like account that you've invested in throughout? I mean, I think it's changing. It's ever changing. And again, you know, TikTok used to be musically, right? So, I mean, they've gone through an evolution of, of change themselves. And you have to look at a little bit of a perception. You know, I think, again, right, somebody asked me, like, well, why aren't you on Snapchat? And I just kind of went, why would I be on Snapchat? I'm not in high school and we don't target high schoolers to run, right? So there's a little bit of the perception of the platform to know where you to focus the results. I think, um, you know, Facebook, I feel like has been up and down a little bit in the results we've seen in probably like the last three to five months. Um, and I don't know if that's an audience usage or a demographic change. You know, we have the data of who is seeing our posts because Facebook does a great job of tracking everything you do. And maybe that's why people are not using it as much sometimes. Um, but, but again, I think, you know, we still stick with Facebook. Instagram has been great at engaging with the community and being able to portray the event and being able to post the photos and the videos. And, you know, we've actually started to shift a little bit more towards stories and reels. And just found that those have more, again, that quick consumption. It's a quick hit. Don't forget about us. And then when the longer form content comes, people are more apt to engage engage with it. So I think, you know, Facebook, Instagram, you know, we've been pretty steady with those two. Twitter is still a, just very time consuming and not seeing fully the return on that time. I don't know, Leah, if you've seen something different or. Yeah, I agree. I I feel like Facebook and Instagram are definitely were strongest in keeping content flowing. And it's also the other piece, not only just putting out content, but also creating the community engagement, making sure you're responding to comments, make sure you're liking other posts that are in your realm. So there's a lot to do aside from just putting out content every day. It's, you know, making sure you're engaging with groups and organizations like you or participants that, you know, are going for their long run on Saturday. You want to make sure you're liking those or saying, you know, good job. We're, we're here and we want them to know we're supporting them throughout their entire journey, not just pushing content at them. We want to, we want to see what they're doing and we want to be a part of it. Um, so I think definitely Facebook and Instagram is where we focus most of our time because of that. There's a lot more engagement in that. And like Alex said with the stories, like putting things out there, hey, where are you going for your run today? Let us know um, in the stories, like put it in there or, you know, getting polls or asking them like, what do you prefer? Would you rather have a t-shirt or a long sleeve shirt or a tank top? Getting feedback from our participants via social channels helps us throughout um, and I think doing stories that way has been really helpful. I think it's a great point too. It's, you know, knowing what's changing in the trends, what keeps, you know, we did a whole thing of what keeps you around after the race? Like what would make you stick around? What is it you look forward to? And and just seeing it, are there trends and changes in the market? And, you know, there are resource organizations that will do all these surveys. We can now just do that survey on Facebook, right? And Instagram, <laughs> people love to share their opinions. So give them that platform and opportunity. And I don't know if you've seen this, Leah. I mean, we've seen our email info box go down and customer service is starting to shift to social media. A hundred percent, yeah. Right. So having that time allocated to replying to, and people don't just send private messages asking or complaining. It's public. Everything you do, 
you should just assume will be public. Anything you type, write, post, somebody's going to reshare it. So don't make exceptions. Otherwise, unless you want everybody to have that exception. <laughs> but I think, again, it goes back to you create that trust with the community that you will openly, transparently communicate. And I think that's what you see the most successful races doing is they have that kind of open, transparent communication, which, you know, I think that was originally the idea of social media was there, you know, we're going to cut through the, go to somebody's website who tells me how great they are. I'm going to go on social media and find out how great you really are. Um, and so I think, you know, there's that big shift too, as you grow your community and audience on social media, expect more of that also to come to you as well. So you've got a great thing going. You've built a great event that people love from the ground up and you're ready to take it to the next level. But is your technology up to it? If you've been hacking your way so far, using different tools for different jobs, having a so-so website and spending hours moving data back and forth from your registration platform to your email marketing provider and so on, it's time you upgraded your tech before you look into upgrading your race. With Run Signups All-in-One Technology Solution, you'll get all the tools you need and more all in one place to help you build a solid foundation that will help support your race's growth for years to come. Free email marketing, an awesome free custom website, a fully customizable registration experience, and awesome fundraising and participant-to-participant referral tools are just some of the things you'll be getting when you join Run Signups industry-leading platform. With that, you'll get the resources and support you need to get you through the next stages of your growth journey and an amazing suite of race day tools to help you deliver a world-class race day experience to your participants and fans. So, to learn more about Run Signups market-leading technology used by over 28,000 in-person, virtual and hybrid events and to book a free demo tailored to your needs, make sure to visit runsignup.com today. That's runsignup.com and see what Run Signups awesome race technology can do to take your event to the next level. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. So speaking of content, you've mentioned already the April Fool's porta potty uh, post kind of thing, which I would put into the funny bucket, which seems to work quite well for people. You also mentioned just now, which is, I guess, also quite helpful, the kind of you know community feedback type survey type kind of content where you engage people through questions, you know, like, oh, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? You know, you take a poll, all of those kinds of things. Do you have like a mental map of all those kinds of different buckets when you think of content in terms of, you know, the kinds of things that you produce a significant portion of content around? You know, like, is it funny? Is it something else? What kind of stuff do you guys tend to put out? Yeah, so I try to bucket them into entertainment, um, informative, feedback. Um, and then, of course, within the 80-20 rule, we do the sales portion as well. So price increases, here's a a deal. Yeah, I, I think it's just splitting up and trying to do a good dose of all of those things. Uh, I think sometimes it's easy to get sucked into, you know, here's another partner highlight. We love our partners and we want to promote them and talk about, you know, the amazing things they're doing for us so that we can put on these events. Um, but then you also want to make sure that's not getting lost in uh, an informative piece that our runners need to know. They want to know, you know, 
where are we doing our kickoff runs or, or where can we train safely? And you can mix them together at times. And when those things happen, it's, it's the best, you know, cause they, they can organically go together. But yeah, definitely trying to separate, like, how can we be entertaining at some points and then informative and educational, uh, is definitely our goal and, and trying to keep the buckets even and providing content for all of them can be a challenge, but definitely what we aim for. Yeah, absolutely. We kind of schedule out topics, right? I think because similar to Pittsburgh, it's, you know, it's more than one race. And so how do you talk about all the races? And so we kind of schedule that out. And then some of the kind of more like the funny things, it's it's hard to write schedule creative and be funny like in advance. Um, and then we just kind of try to focus on some also real world stuff. So it doesn't feel like it's programmatic, like posting, um, you know, our woman's record holder for the marathon. She went and won the dopey challenge. Like she literally won every day. She wow. won all four races. That's amazing. Right? So we're going to. We're going to promote that, right? We're going to be like the Colfax Women's Marathon record holder just blew away the Dopey Challenge. I mean, like you literally watch the video of her finishing and there's zero people behind her. Like there's, she blew it away. You're like, you know, Brittany's an amazing runner and she's a great ambassador, not just for our race, but also for the sport. So we, uh, you know, again, you have to kind of like have that like scheduled out kind of buckets. And then when things happen, like, be on top of those things, know what's happening in your industry, which is great. Why, you know, you have like Leah, like who's a community manager, who's watching all that and knows like, Ooh, that just happened. I'm going to put that in or, Hey, the new U S half marathon record just got beat. You know, here it is. I'm like, Oh wow. That's the same as my 10 K PR that she just set the record of the half marathon. in. she literally runs twice as fast as me. Wow. Um, so I think, yeah, it's having, always having that sales, you know, that's the easy part, I think, right? It's the selling pieces. It's we have those milestones of price increase. And we pretty much know what we're going to post all day on that day. Um, and how we're going to attack that. But it's how do you keep people listening? So that every time they see something from you, it's not salesy. And having those entertainment focused about your race, like, again, Pittsburgh, I know has entertainment on the course, right? So you get bands, how do you get a local band to post a video and tag you in it? How do you get other people to help make content so it's not all on one person? And and sponsors and partners are a great way. You know, Gatorade puts out some great videos that we can share. REI is another one of ours, and they have some great educational. Same with Cigna on the mental health. So it's we're supposed to help channel that into the community, but we don't have to create it all, and nor should we, right? I mean. A marathon should not become the expert on mental health, you know, clinical educational pieces. We should really partner with those experts and bring that to the community. And in terms of the 80-20 rule that Leia sort of like mentioned explicitly, the whole thing, you know, you try to post 80% helpful, entertaining, educational, blah, 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 and then 20% salesy stuff. In terms of the engagement you see, do you see like do the, the, the salesy post, is it just tumbleweed stuff? Is it just, you know, like complete non-engagement? Or do you get similar kinds of engagement to other content you post? No, I think that the the salesy pieces aren't don't typically do as well as the pieces where we want feedback from our followers. Um, or, you know, we want to hear... Who are you looking forward to seeing at the finish line? Like things like that that we're trying to get comments and content from. 
uh, those sales 20% don't typically get those. Um, but they'll get likes and they'll get shares because people are reminding their friends and their family or additional runners that, Hey, this is going up tonight. If, if you haven't signed up yet, sign up with me. I'm doing it, you know, in May. Join me type thing. So it's a different kind of engagement, but I, I wouldn't say it's as, as engaging as our other content. I would totally agree. And I think we've tried to, to mix in kind of a little bit of humor. And um, obviously, you know, as when the organization gets larger, you have to start looking at headlines and things that you write and be like, that could be taken three different ways. We may not want to do that. But we'll do stuff like, you know, you're running through Denver Zoo. Well, cheetahs always win. Like cheetahs, cheaters, you know, always win. Or something <laughs> like that. Or we have this really cool sign that shows the speed of every animal. And it said, make sure you're not the slowest going through Denver Zoo. You know, something like that and try to make it fun. And then also like, this is your only chance to run through the zoo in here. Make sure you sign up for the race. So we're trying to mix in that humor, not just, hey, save 10 bucks, register before midnight. Because I also think the world has changed a bit where people aren't motivated by five or 10 bucks anymore. Um, we do notice people are are more encouraged by an extra t-shirt or an extra, like a pair of sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, exactly. It's all the swag, right? It's like, what do I get? What do I get an extra medal? I'm doing that. Um, it's, it's that unique stuff. And I don't think, I think people are willing to wait now. Um, so we've seen, a, we still see a spike, obviously price increase days, but on those sales days, I think though, those people may have already been in, they were already going to register. And this was just the, like, okay, I get it. We're, we must be getting closer, price increase, so I'm going to just register. But if you can mix in that kind of fun and, you know, we talk about you, you run through the stadium. It's like you get the best seat in the house for, you know, to see the field. Um, you know, so register for the marathon so you get to see that. And granted, it's literally a quarter mile of the entire marathon course. But Something memorable. Exactly. Ex exactly what you say, Leah. Like, how do you highlight the memorable pieces? of the course that are really it's sales content it's not just a price goes up midnight register now how do you mix in the register now so you get this it's the with them the old what's in it for me and how do i make it funny and fun at the same time it, our races are fun so we're not really like exaggerating or selling so how do we make it fun and same with the ambassador team so how do you get other people to sell I'm doing air quotes, sell your race, <laughs> sell your race, but it's not coming from the race. So you get that, again, that runner perspective, that runner testimonial that are telling their friends to run, like Leah said, like, come run this with me and come check out why this is such a cool party at the end. And so it can't always just be from you, you know, because again, the day of web 3.0, we're all going to the web to see reviews, to see what everybody else is doing and what the, you know, what the people actually say, not that organization. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's an interesting um, idea, uh, an obvious one. People uh, see it all the time and they, they are very familiar with it as consumers of stuff as well, that if you try and mix in a little bit of fun, a little bit of humor into selling, it just takes off that edge a little bit and makes it a little bit more palatable for people and more shareable in the context of social media. Another thing that came up in the context of a podcast I did with Meg Treat on uh, PR, uh, which in a way you know has similar objectives because you're trying to get organic reach 
you know, you're, you're trying basically to get media to be interested in a story in a similar way where with organic content, you're trying to be interested in, in, um, in, in that kind of thing is personal stories seem to work very, very well, at least on PR, you know, like the, the inspirational stuff, the aspirational stuff, you know, like mom goes through injury, then runs marathon kind of thing, like those kinds of stories, right? Is that kind of stuff that you also try to keep an eye out for? Definitely. Um, even with our ambassadors, we want to make sure that those individuals come from all different walks of life. We don't want the same cookie cutter person. We want someone who's doing the half marathon, but is probably going to keep a 12 minute pace. But then maybe someone that's also doing the full marathon is thinking they're going to do an eight minute pace. We want people from all different walks of life um, and all experience levels so that when they're sharing their content and they're sharing, Hey, I'm doing this and you can do it too. Um, we want a broad audience, you know, like there's anyone can move with us. Anyone could participate in our races. We have walking divisions. We have a 5k. If you don't want to do a 13.1, there's something truly for everyone. So I think messaging that even within the stories we're able to produce for our PR purposes, but also through our ambassador programs, or what we're resharing on our social media, making sure that we're covering all bases and making sure that everyone feels welcome and comfortable in joining us. Yeah. And anytime we get any sort of PR, whether it's through newspaper, whether it's through the you know local TV station, we make sure to grab that content, that video clip, and reshare it on our social media platforms as well. So again, it's somebody else talking about our race, not us talking about it. We're like, look, see? you know, the local news channels talking about it. And I think you guys do it too, Leah, on registration, you ask for those stories. Like, do you have an inspirational story that you want to share with us? Um, and then same with our ambassador team, we have, you know, the person who's looking to PR, we have the person who is a single mom of three, and they're, you know, documenting how they are still training and still finding ways, you know, after the kids go to sleep and getting on the treadmill, um, we have the person that's losing 100 pounds as part of their weight loss journey, somebody who just came back from cancer. So again, it's that running is really this, again, mile is a mile, doesn't matter how fast you go. Running is a community that is open to everybody. So let me get your uh, thoughts on a couple of very tactical stuff, very nitty gritty kind of stuff in content. Number one is hashtags. What do, we, what do we think of them also in the context of specific platforms? You know, like I, I never figured out why I should be using hashtags on Facebook, for instance. I'm not really that familiar with Instagram, so I wouldn't know. Like, it seems to me, for instance, like a Twitter thing. What do you guys think? Do you use them? Are they helpful? We don't use them on Facebook. Um, I agree. I don't think it's as needed or followed on Facebook. We do try to put some on Instagram. Um, the running community on Instagram, there's a ton of people and there's a ton of people following hashtags like running or marathon training or half marathon training. So we try to use those just to reach new audiences organically and, and get on their feeds. Um, that's all though with Instagram. Twitter will do it as well. Um, like you said, that's probably the biggest one, but yeah, uh, we, we've been doing them on Instagram and I, I think they're, it's helpful. I agree. Instagram, you can follow hashtags. So I think it's important on Instagram. Um, Facebook, I haven't seen a real use for it as much. Um, but yeah, Instagram, you can follow hashtags. So that can pop up in a user's feed if they're following your hashtag. So it's almost like following another account. 
but you're following their following our hashtag instead. So that's hashtags. What do we think about emojis? I love emojis. I'll use them all the time. <laughs> <You> do. <laughs> I do. It's eye it's eye catching, right? I mean, you're yeah. scrolling through, right? Text, 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 and all of a sudden you see um, you see emojis and something of color and something different. And so it's it gives you pause, gives the user pause, and they'll stop and look at it for at least a moment. Um, so it's something to grab, I think, attention. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I try to sprinkle them in uh, for most of the posts I I do. Um, no, it's not necessary, I don't think. But like Alex said, I think it's something eye catching and something maybe people are more interested in reading if they see some, you know, different things going on. I think that, I feel like I've seen like on YouTube, I've seen like the trivia games where you try to like spell something out with emojis. Try to maybe we'll we'll have to do a campaign around that of like guess what this means. Yeah, that's a good post idea. Yeah, <laughs> so, so somebody could creatively come up with that, you know, with, uh, with some emojis that spell out a particular, I don't know, event or something around running. I think it's interesting because there's uh, I've definitely seen some kind of research. Although you get research for all, you know, pointing to any conclusion you want these days, but I think I saw some research that particularly on email subjects, that kind of thing, right? They they seem to work quite well. And I've definitely seen them, uh, you know, like the, the, the hand pointing ones kind of emojis, right? Not so much the faces. Yeah, the pointing. Yeah, like, I mean, if you say, you know, like, tell us what you think in the comments, maybe you put a downward pointing hand there or something. It creates more of a urge to respond to things. Well, I think it's a visual... Well, it's a visual action, right? It's making, it's tapping into our visual piece and we're, what's the latest data? We're 70% visual learners. And so when you put something visual like that, it's your brain is already moving into action versus reading something. So I think that, you know, could be, again, I'm not a, you know, PhD in physics and psychology, but that seems to be maybe <laughs> what it is. Makes sense to me. <laughs> but 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 I do also, on the other hand, I do also. Um, I've seen some accounts that uh, go a little bit uh, crazy with emojis, and that that doesn't that doesn't turn out very well. I mean, it's a real, particularly for people of my generation, speaking like in my forties and stuff, that I didn't grow up with emojis necessarily. I I think I I need my emojis in moderation. I need them in like small doses, well-placed rather than splattered all over. I feel like we do a lot of, if we're trying to get out information um, and it's like bulleted information almost, we'll bullet them with an emoji. Yeah. And do you use a different emoji? Exactly. Yeah. And just kind of try to get the emoji to kind of make sense with what's being said in the bullet point. Like, okay, you'll get this, you'll get a second metal and do the metal emoji as that like yep. you know what i mean and and just kind of fill it out like that yeah it brings in the fun the yeah. fun piece right it's a little bit more graphical it's not a picture it's not video but it's still visual now that we sort of like took a little bit of a look into the the strategy and the high level of the content let's let's take a quick look at sort of practically how you guys are able to do stuff like, you know, like post the kind of content you do across so many platforms, right? Um, and, and the first question I have is, do you have a kind of master platform 
that you think of when creating content that you're thinking, you know, because, you know, different formats, different stuff, but like, are you mostly designing, say, for Instagram and then try to repackage that for other stuff? Or do you always think across all the different platforms, you know, and and designing stuff specifically every time for each separate one? I think we start with Instagram most times. Um, And then we use Canva a lot. Um, So it makes it very easy to resize on for all the different platforms. And then we can change it as needed. So yeah, I'd say Instagram is typically where we start in the design of things. And then to post, we, we use Hootsuite. So everything lives on Hootsuite. I can pull analytics from Hootsuite to see how things are doing. I can respond to content on Hootsuite. Um, so I'd say that's our main hub of where we um, plan and push out content. I would agree. I think we started probably a year ago, switching from mentality to Instagram more than from Facebook. And I think Instagram, it's really that, again, that more visual piece. It can also be used on Facebook, can also be used in stories and reels. And then it's fine on Twitter, um, you know, because Twitter is Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I think Instagram is definitely the great place to start because it's the storytelling platform to me versus Facebook. I feel like you're having more conversations. Uh, but I think I feel like the shift has been moving more towards Instagram and towards that more pictures, video place do you guys alex also use uh, like a scheduling tool like hootsuite or something like that to push your content out right now we've mostly been using facebook's scheduling tool because you can schedule through on facebook and also on instagram um and again like again price increase day like we do six posts on that day and then we go very quiet for a couple days to kind of let the platform settle but you can schedule all that out on facebook's business manager business page manager. Um, and, th- and they're great tools. I mean, if you know how to use Facebook, you know how to use the scheduling tool. You just basically, instead of saying publish now, you choose schedule and you, you schedule out. They have a decent calendar view of, of scheduling it out as well. Um, Hootsuite's great because it does consolidate it all into one place and all the analytics are in one place. And it's much easier to go back and grab previous content. Uh, just We just haven't made that move to a, a single source platform yet i saw you uh nodding there as leia was mentioning uh, canva is that something you guys use as well i use photoshop just because i have experience background in it but canva is super easy it's like the it's i don't even know if i'd say it's lightweight photoshop i think you can do a lot in canva that you can do in photoshop and it's a free free tool that you can go and just sign up and use um and you see it being used all over the website all over the internet i mean from etsy to to Twitter, to TikTok, everywhere. So, I mean, it's a great place to combine all your graphics and text into one place. What's nice about Canva too is you can actually put brand, the font, the colors, and just click which brand you want to use. Um, and it can change your whole post into a brand-friendly piece. So that's one of my favorite things about it is that everything's right there. I don't have to, you know, find which font i need Which to use for this and, yes yeah. it's all right there i click a button and it makes my life easy so <laughs> keeps all your style guides in one place yeah exactly i don't have to like flip through a style guide to make sure i'm doing things right it's there <laughs> and it helps me definitely it's interesting that you mentioned that on canva wasn't there some kind of taboo 
about using text on images or something for content? Is that something that you guys do? Because there seems to be some school, or I, I seem to recall some school of thought a couple of years back that was all like, no, no, you know, like you want to keep your your images clear of any text. And Canva sounds like you're, you're adding text on images. At times. I think we do a mix of it. I I prefer to do photos, but sometimes if you want to get information out like there, you know, right now we do put text on, um, you know, use code this to save 20% off, like that type of thing. So it just depends on what we're putting out there. But yeah, I, I agree. It is at times taboo to put on text, but we, we do it. And sometimes we just feel like it's necessary. I agree. Especially when there's like a call to action or something to that effect. Uh, I think kind of what you were saying about engaging with the community, you know, we like to reshare when people tag us in their stories, we reshare. And a lot of times we'll add text just saying, can't wait to see you in May or keep up the training or come join a, a training run with your local runner's roost, the local running store um, or something to that effect. So, but yes, I think if you have a great photo, like we have great, you know, geese that were running alongside of runners in the zoo because the geese run free in the zoo we're not going to touch any text over that. I mean, again, if the picture can tell the story, let the picture tell its story whenever you can. Well, speaking of textbook stuff like this, like, you know, like text on images, etc. another big commandment around social media used to be posting consistency and posting frequency and how important it is, you know, like for the, for the algorithms and whatever to post consistently, you know, you might even hear back in the day that, you know, you need to think really hard about your posting times beyond the frequency. How important is that still? And how hard do you guys think about that when you're setting out your content schedule? Amazing. So we, again, use Hootsuite and they do recommended times. And it, it really is amazing that if I post during those recommended times, I do see a spike in engagements, likes, if I, you know, just have to get something out um, and that maybe I miss that ideal time frame, I will see that there's a, a drop. So I think the time situation is definitely worth looking into and worth following along if if you have a platform. I think Facebook does the same thing. They suggest times too, correct? They do. Yeah. So trying to plan around that, I think is definitely helpful into reaching more people. I agree. And I think thinking about too, you know, we do most of our social media posts will be like between 6.30 and 7.30 or 8 in the morning. And again, I think the mentality, it's the I'm getting ready for work, I'm getting ready for school or whatever. So I'm really just trying to waste time and go on social media. It's again, around that lunch hour, that's where we're going to focus our relay teams. It's really, again, trying to think about our audience where they are. What's really funny is like on our price increase days, um, after nine o'clock at night is when we will get a spike. And again, maybe it's the late night infomercial signing up for a marathon sounds like a great idea when I'm really tired and sleepy and I got to do something. Or drunk. <laughs> or drunk, right? We're, we're drunk drunk registering for races, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or something that you're having a conversation before you go to sleep or you're like, I need to feel like I need to do something with my life. I'm going to register for a marathon and that's in four months from now. Um, and again, we just, we see that spike because I, I think it's when people are paying attention to the platforms and that's when they're on and then they're kind of like winding down from the day. And so it's understanding your audience and just like their daily life, what, the, what are they doing times of day? Cause like three o'clock in the afternoon we've posted and like, we get like so little engagement. Um, 
but like right after dinner, like six thirty to nine, that like that's been a sweet spot for people. Will engage and then we'll see an increase in registrations as a result. So, so I think there's the consistency, but I think there's also it goes back to the time of day is more important. Um, to that again, I think we've seen Friday and Saturday nights. If you do a fun post about the shirt or about the medal, like again, I don't know, people maybe they're out at the bar with friends and like, hey, half marathon, hey, we should do that. Who wants like, to do it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like everybody's registering now again, drunk, drunk registering at the bar. Um, <laughs> But so again, it's tailoring the content to the time of day and knowing where your audience is. Well, it's interesting, Leia, that you mentioned um, Hootsuite. I'm curious, what was their recommendation? Because sometimes they tell you, you know, you need to post at the busiest time, but that's a little like, you know, when everyone's on social media, but that's a little bit of a catch 22 because then everyone's posting too few eyeballs. So what did Hootsuite recommend? Yeah. So my understanding is that they um, will take which platform you're trying to post on and recommend it with those, but very, very similar to what Alex is saying. It's typically early morning or like 7 PM. Those are the typically when people, and and it makes sense. Just like Alex said, that's when our- Like think about how you use it, right? When do you use social media for your personal use? Like- (laughs) You know, you're either scrolling in bed looking or you're waking up in the morning and checking your feed first thing. That's, you probably can guess, but that's uh, how we do. But like, even it's, it's interesting. I posted on something on Saturday um, and I was like, this is going to tank, you know, it's a Saturday. No one's, no one's going to look, but I used the recommended time and it, and it did really well. Um, and I think it was like a time I would have never thought on a Saturday, like 8 a.m. or something like that. And I was like, everyone's asleep. Like no one's, no one's going to be waking up, but it, it did well. And I'm, I'll, I'll bet that it was Hootsuite, not me guessing, second guessing that. <laughs> Just need to trust them. <laughs> it's really interesting. Do, do you know whether, whether you get this kind of functionality on a free plan? I'm, I'm guessing you guys are not on the free plan. Well, Facebook, that's free. And that tells you which time to post, right? Yeah. And I'm sure you can Google it. And I'm sure somebody out there will tell you yeah. <laughs> some sort of guidance uh, on when to post. Yeah, again, I think almost like take a step back and like think about how you use social media as a, you know, personally and when you're on it. You know, like Leah said, you know, it's nine o'clock at night, you're scrolling through and that's when you're most likely to be just kind of like consuming information. And if you have a great funny post or a great photo that you're going to be more likely to stop and engage with it. So last thing I wanted to discuss around content, which is really important. I'm guessing it's not something that your typical, your small race management company or your your one-man army kind of race directors would do, but it sounds like it's something that uh, might be helpful and yield results in is actually building out a formal, structured, year-round content calendar. And, and I'm sure you don't actually, you know, like sit down and write the full year ahead of you kind of thing. But like, how do you guys approach that restocking of content as content rolls off? Like, how how do how do you stay ahead of things and keep the content coming? We look at the year um, and see what races and when when races will be opening, when price increases are. That that's pretty standard, and we know that's happening. I typically do the month ahead at the beginning, so say. It's about to be February 1st. I'll actually start planning March then and like really digging into March. Um, so a lot of times I'll compare to last year's calendar. Okay. What did we highlight in March? What made sense? What worked well? And I can repurpose that or reuse it for this year. 
Um, or I'll just add in things, you know, sometimes I'll just put content and just say, okay, what's going on? Like we were saying with Alex, like just trying to be engaged with what's going on in, in the running community, what's going on just on social media. Is there anything that's viral or, you know, blowing up right now that we can kind of hop on? Um, anything like that where I just, I know I want to post something that day, but I want it to be kind of free flowing. You know, let's, let's see what makes sense that day. Um, but other times are very, particular, you know, we have a, a partner announcement or, you know, we're a hundred days out from the marathon. We want to make sure everyone knows that. Let's get excited. Things like that. Um, I make sure that are, are fully scheduled and, and we know they're coming. So it's only basically just a month in advance in your case. I try to do like a two months in advance, I guess, but yeah, to really dig in on it. I mean, we kind of know the baseline of what's coming, like those price increases. We knew from the second we opened registration when those are happening. But building in, you know, what or like, you know, Valentine's Day, we know that's that's always the 14th. We'll post something probably on Valentine's Day, you know, that type of thing. But yeah, really digging in deeper the month before to see like, what do we want and what's coming or what's changing or, or what do we want the audience to know or what have they been asking that we can provide them? Yeah, similar to Leia, right? You have kind of those big milestones. You have the price increase. You have, you know, we'll do something probably funny on Cinco de Mayo or something to that effect. I mean, that's right. Right before your race, so I yeah, can only like, don't enjoy Cinco, de, <laughs> don't enjoy Cinco de Mayo too much. You have a race the next day, you know, to celebrate Cinco de Mayo at the finish line or something to that effect. Here's me. I'm writing this down. I'll be like, yeah, that is what we're gonna do. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Alex. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> but yeah, you look at those big same thing, right? Valentine's Day. You know, we'll do a post about running at couples running. Um, I think every year we've had a finish line proposal. Last year, we actually had it. They organized it with the race. Fun. And so the couple was running together. We had their families waiting at the finish line. We filmed it. Um, so, you know, again, we'll post that on Valentine's Day. So there are those big ones. And kind of like Leia saying, and then you you know, right, you're four weeks out from the race. Probably not a huge focus on marathon, but probably focus on a 5K distance because people could jump into that. And then you kind of, yeah, like you sprinkle in, you know, from there things that are happening or like fun thoughts like, oh, wow, this band that's going to be on the chorus just sent me a video. I'm going to throw that in. I didn't know that three months in advance. And so we do have sponsors as well that want to know. I've had sponsors go, hey, could you tell me like what you're going to post for the next nine months? I said, no, I really can't. <laughs> no, I, can't. <laughs> I, I mean, I can. So what I actually did is I created a content re repository um, for each distance and kind of each theme. And I said, we're going to talk about the marathon on this Monday. I said, and I'm going to pull it from maybe one of these six different posts ideas I've had. Because again, for me, it's hard to like, okay, today from nine to 11, I'm going to be very creative and write creative things. And I just don't work that way. <laughs> um, you know, so again, as ideas come up or I've already written a few things down that Leah has said, um, you know, I'll create a post about it, but I'll put it into like a repo into a spreadsheet and then I'll just go to it and grab it when I get to it. like, Oh, today I was supposed to post about a marathon. I'll go to that repo. Maybe I'll modify and kind of like re redo it. But then you always kind of have like your go-to bag of things to talk about that you can post. And of course, I guess, um, international pancake day, you have to join in with a, with a pancake memes. Yeah. Right? And don't forget donuts. 
We love Don't a donut day. Donut day. <laughs> <laughs> national running day. I mean, that's another big one. We have a beer sponsor. We like a beer day. <laughs> yes. Whiskey day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did a race. They had a whiskey. There was whiskey on the course. Somebody, it was again, a local brewery had a whiskey tent set up and I'm just like, Sure, why not? That's calories and sugar. And- yeah, that's helpful. We have a runner of steel whiskey from a local distillery. Nice. Yeah. So it's always a hit when we announce that, though, and it's usually on Whiskey Day. <laughs> yeah. And they probably re- repost it or you tag them, right? So, yeah, we've been doing a lot of, um, Alex, I don't know if you have used any of this with your sponsors or even like the um, ambassadors, but we've been really taking advantage of the Instagram collaborator post. Yes. So where you Facebook can, too. You yes. Yeah. yeah. Same on Instagram, right? Right. Yeah. So we've been doing a lot with that, and um, it's beneficial for both parties because you know our information is being shared with their followers and vice versa. Um, we've also been doing that with Mental Health Mondays with the foundation that Greg is a part of. So all of our content goes on both. Um, so yeah. we love doing that with partners if they're up for it. You know, some maybe aren't interested, well, but. And again, the great thing too is when a partner does it or somebody else does it, invites you to be a collaborator, that reel or that content then goes into your feed and lives on your feed, you know, long tail. Yeah. So so again, somebody else is now creating content for you that they've collaborated with you that just gets tacked onto your feed and it's another post for you that you didn't have to create, which is which is lovely. again leverage. Yeah. Leverage other people's content. It's you can't be the expert at everything. So find people who are, and then collaborate and partner with them. So these collaborator posts, uh, just so I understand, does it actually create a copy of that post? Or is it the same post with the same comments, the same reaction that basically appears across both brands, basically, right? Yeah, it's the same. Yep. Same comments, same likes, just as on both of our feeds. Right. And the title, I'm guessing it comes out of one page, but the other page is tagged as a collaborator. Is that how it works. It'll say like Pittsburgh Marathon and UPMC Health Plan. That's who sponsors oh, okay. our half half marathon. And um, so it looks like it's just, you know, coming from both of us. So last question I had for you guys. I mean, there's a little bit of a crossover, I guess, different ways in which paid and organic sort of work side by side. Do you think there's an Maybe you're not the right people to ask this because, you know, you, you you work on pretty big races and your race is sort of like, you know, they've hit escape velocity by now and you have thousands of people following. But do you think there's still any value in paying to grow your organic audience? Long way of saying buying likes or buying followers. So when you put out your organic stuff, you have more eyeballs to see them kind of thing? No, don't ever buy likes. Both Lee and I are shaking our heads. Don't ever no. buy yeah, followers. Of, no. We want them all organic because it just, it, it might be good for one moment in time, but over a course of your social media life, that is not going to help. And honestly, it could be bad for you. It, like Alex was saying before, it, it's not necessarily the amount of people who follow along. It's the quality of people. So are they engaged? Are they messaging? Are they sharing your information? That does wonders compared to having a large follower account that doesn't really even like anything or comment on anything. Those, the numbers don't matter. It's who's engaging with you and who's participating in the conversation. 100% agree. 100% agree. And, you know, in Facebook, Instagram, when you do paid ads, you do have the ability to choose goals when you do those paid ads. One of those is 
you know, show, show my content to people that are, will be more engaged that do align with the, the likes and the interest that I choose. Uh, but yeah, never take those spam calls and go buy a hundred thousand likes or followers that, that they literally will do nothing for you except waste time and money. <laughs> Suffer, increase your follower, maybe. Yeah. Which again, I don't think is helpful. It's they'll fall off anyway, usually. Yep. No, definitely. I, w- I wasn't actually thinking of the, I wasn't thinking of the, of the spam, spam emails, which obviously, as you say, it's going to be probably detrimental to your following, but at least in the past, Facebook had an objective, liking my page, kind of increasing followers, which are not, I mean, they can't be totally junk in terms of the quality of follower you get on the back of that. No, I think in those situations, yes, that's, that's completely fine. If that's the goal for your organization and that's the goal for the ad campaign is to, you know, increase brand awareness and try to get more followers, I think that's completely fine and justified. But it just depends on what your ultimate goal is for an ad campaign. Agreed. And if you want to increase your followers on Facebook, Facebook does have the ability to invite people that have liked your page over the last 30, 60 days. I think we've all got it, right? It's the, hey, so-and-so invited you to like this page. And so so Facebook gives that for free. So you can just go into the Facebook tools and you can say, invite people to follow my page. And then they'll invite people that have already engaged in your page. So it won't be a cold call like, come like me. It'll be somebody who has seen your content they enough that they liked your content. Um, and actually, you can choose the different reaction if you only want to target the people who loved your content versus liked your content and invite them to come and follow your be a follower of your content page. Oh, it's interesting. So I think you're referring to the thing that I've only seen on a per comment basis where you click and you invite someone who may have liked, let's say, one of your comments or your page. Are you saying there's a kind of centralized place on Facebook where you can tell it, take all the people who have commented or liked or whatever and just invite them to like my page? Yep, for free. Okay, that's awesome. Because I, yeah, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go try that because I, you know I I see a comment <laughs> here and there and I'm like okay yeah let's ask this guy to like, let's invite him to like our page kind of thing but it's great that they put it all in sort of like one place. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So guys, it's been awesomely helpful to have uh, the both of you here sharing these stories and uh, sounds like you're doing lots of things very similar to each other, which is great. Not particularly surprising. If someone wants to uh, maybe reach out to each of you, uh, you know, like may have taken an interest in some of the things you may have said or want to, you know, like just reach out, say thanks for coming on today's podcast. How can they reach you? They can email me. Um, My email is Leah. My name is spelled a little differently. L-E-I-G-H-A dot Pindro, P-I-N-D-R-O-H at P3R.org. Awesome. And I'm Alex at runcolfax.org. Thank you again very much. All the best with your upcoming uh, kind of marquee races, which are both set in May. Complete coincidence. Yeah. Uh, so you must be really <laughs> in the thick of it now, January, people signing up. I hope you hit all-time records with participation. Fingers crossed that we're above 2019 levels and we just go from, from high to high from here. So uh, thank you very much for coming on. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you very much to everyone listening in. And we'll uh, see you all on our next podcast.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode on Mastering Social Media with Alex Ross and Leah Pindro. You can find more resources on anything and everything related to race directing on our website, racedirectorshq.com. You can also share your thoughts about social media marketing or anything else in our Facebook group, Race Directors Hub. Many thanks again to our awesome podcast sponsor on sign up for sponsoring today's episode. And if you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite player. And do check out our podcast back catalog for more great content like this. Until our next episode, take care and keep putting on amazing races.